This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today I sat down and chatted with Charlie Kempinen. Charlie is passionate about basketball. So we got into his history. He played basketball growing up, but then he's been a coach for many years. Uh, he has coached at the high school, the college level. Uh, right now he's coaching the Calumet girls basketball team. Uh, and just gotten a lot of his history with basketball, where that's taken him, what he's gotten out of it, has he enjoyed it, the coaching side of things, kind of explored a lot of those topics. Uh, so it's fun to meet Charlie and visit with him and go over some of these things. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Yeah, we were just talking about that with Brian. I had my friend Brian on here the other day. And we just roll with this, if that works for you. Sure. We'll get into it. No, we were just talking how it's interesting when somebody comes along who you have this framework in your mind of who this person is or what this type of person is just based on your history of stereotyping or whatever. Right. And they completely just flip that on its head. Right. You know, and yeah, it's just interesting when you, you see him once or twice in a certain environment and you think, okay, that's what that person is. And yeah. And then again, you see them outside of that in a different environment and it just completely flips on again, who you thought somebody like that could be or whatever else. Right. Yeah. Uh, I get that all the time with, with basketball. People see me on the, sideline they and i'm going nuts or whatever yeah. <laughs> and they they think that's who i am but outside the lines i'm like that's totally not me yeah i mean I, i'm pretty laid back for the most part right right and in a in a game or a competitive setting but i i we talked before we just hopped on is that when i was in eighth grade i think i had a basketball camp with you at finlandia and again one of the many students that would have came through but your demeanor at that time was very laid back very comfortable very just hey how can i help you guys i went watch that cali hancock girls game the other day and i seen you very animated excited and passionate and that was surprising i had no idea that yeah. that, that flip side of it so for sure i'm curious i will get into it the basketball side of things i'm curious about uh like massage as it relates to stress for whatever reason that's a, a interest that i've had lately and i'm curious about that in your world but has that always been that way i guess i'll eventually want to get to the again the origins of basketball for you too but for you for coaching have you always been that way super passionate super uh just into it compared to a more of a, a laid-back coach um i think when i started off um i would in practice i would be fairly laid back okay and then uh <laughs> When I when he got to game time, I was like this wild man. Yeah, and the the players they were just in shock. Huh. You know, like who is this person? And so I, I had to make adjustments there. I had to, you know, become that person all the time. Mm. You know, practice and games. Um, but yeah, um, basketball has been very important to me for a long, long time. Yeah, and it's uh, somebody told me a long time ago that. When you're when you're playing basketball, you can't think of anything else. I mean, everything else just kind of gets put to the side. I mean, you know, 
good things, bad things. I mean, you can only uh, focus on on the game, right? Um, so it, it's really an escape at sure. times. Um, but yeah, then aside from the the game, then you get back to the real world, and you know, yeah. Uh, and we'll dive all around, but I'm curious about that. You said that in the practices you were laid back and then the games that you'd be more animated in that surprise some of those players but what's your natural demeanor like outside of sports outside of basketball this is it and more casual yeah eh? i'm i'm relatively quiet okay uh, I, um i guess i i listen more than i i talk yeah um and that's just because uh maybe it was some self-esteem stuff i just didn't feel like i had anything of value really to to add to conversations hmm. where I, I know now that that's not true. Right. But that's just who I, I was and it. It's kind of who I've continued to be. Okay. Uh, and in the games, I asked Kevin Luke, the same question, how much of that, uh, emotion was calculated and how much of it is pure emotion. And you're just excited for the, the play at hand or whatever it might be. I'd say 99% is just you know, going on the moment. Okay. Um, there's some things that, that you can calculate and, and you know, the line that you can, you can step up to. Yeah. But, um, for the most part, it's, it's just raw emotion. Yeah. Which is like the purest form of it. I feel like, and again, like you said, there's certain moments to maybe make a calculated play or as a coach, a calculated thing as a coach, but it feels like the, the purest form and the thing that will, uh, energize your players or whatever else is just that raw emotion. The thing that like, you can't even help yourself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, yeah, you can't go in, you know, with a script or anything. It's just, um, go with your gut and, um, enjoy that, that moment. And it, it's usually, um, directed towards a certain player or, or the official or, mm-hmm. or, or just, uh, I mean, it's, it's never personal, right? but it's, it's quite often, passionate oh yeah for sure for sure so and we will get back into that but for you was basketball number one growing up did you play at a young age and what was that progression like yeah um well i went to dollar bay and that's kind of all dollar bay had yeah um so if you if you wanted to play a sport you you got into basketball and um i was fortunate to have some some very good influential people there kind of getting that started so okay you're talking different coaches and stuff that had an impact on you yeah um well i the first i guess the first game i saw was a game of my sister's when she was in junior high or something mm-hmm. and uh, it, it just kind of snowballed from there yeah. and then uh yeah coaches were very influential and okay uh, still close to my my jv coach jack powell to this day so it's yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of a testament to the impact that he's had on not just me, but, you know, a lot of other young men at that time. Right, right. So what age were you when you seen your sister's game? You'd say prior to that you didn't have little to no exposure to basketball? Yeah, I was probably about the fourth grade. So okay. about nine years old. And then you got into, did they have like third, fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade type basketball back then? Uh, there were a couple games. Okay. I mean, you, you practiced and whatnot and... Um, I remember first game, I think was, uh, maybe sixth grade. Okay. And then obviously junior high and it was a little bit more 
more structured and more organized in, but yeah. And what was that like? Again, you're uh, a lot of what I'm curious about is the tra- trajectory for you. Cause at first it was basketball is not even on your radar. You watch your sister's game and then you start playing junior high, high school. Did you go play college somewhere? I did not No. Okay. But what was that trajectory like through, uh, I'm talking on like a, uh, engagement, like how excited were you about it? How active were you in it? How much were you practicing? Stuff like that. What was that trajectory like for you? I'm curious. Um, well, when it came to practice, I, I, I loved practice. Yeah. Um, even now I love practices more than games mm-hmm. um, because you can do your, your teaching and, you know, making sure that things are, are being done in the, what you believe is the right way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I remember being a little kid out in the snowbank and my dad had plowed, uh, plowed snow up against the, the hoop and I would go out and, you know dunk the ball and whatever and it it was i just love to practice yeah uh and and i'm trying to like overlay my experience through middle school basketball through high school basketball i'm just curious how it related to you uh and like did you was it a year-round thing like once you start getting into the uh jv varsity type basketball were you playing open gyms and stuff outside of the basketball season stuff like that or what did that look like yeah pretty much any opportunity i had okay um I mean, obviously I, I did other things, but it wasn't just, I wasn't so focused. Sure. But, um, yeah, basketball was always the, uh, I always knew where the ball was. Okay. Um, and again, cause I'm just thinking, thinking of myself, like in, in going to school at Calumet, it was at the time there were opportunities and I, w- I remember like middle school, stuff like that. I would stay after almost all year. Like, I mean the whole school year, at least that's what my memory says. Who knows? Maybe it was a lot less than that, but either way, quite frequently but eventually by the time you got to high school it was still a huge passion and interest but other distractions cars football whatever else took it where it became more of a four-month thing uh and then a little bit outside of that you know uh not that's good or bad but i just feel like there's a certain type of person who in spite of the cars and the distractions and the football and whatever else they still are that's a bigger part of their world. And I just curious, not that, not that we have to rank it or whatever else. I'm just curious if that was you, like even once those distractions still hit, you were still staying after school on the off season, still right. doing this kind I of did. stuff. Was that, was that the case? Yeah. Okay. Um, but again, it, it was, you know, dollar Bay and that's all they had. Sure. Had I gone to Lake Linden or Calumet or somewhere else? Um, <clears throat> I'm quite sure I probably would have played football, mm-hmm. but you know, you, you play what's available and you know, they didn't co-op at the time. So yeah, um, it's kind of the luck of the draw, but, uh, right. right. I, I, to this day, I, I don't, I don't ever see myself not, you know, going in the gym by myself and taking a few shots and, you know, it, some of it's a little bit reminiscing, but, um, it, it's just become some, something that you are and you just like the feel or, or the look and the sound of the, the ball going through the net. Yeah. Um, did you envision at those younger ages that you would eventually, I mean, you'd have a lifetime of coaching. Was that even on your radar or did, was that? No. Happenstance? <clears throat> um, and like most kids, I was so delusional at the time. I, I thought I was going to play for Kentucky or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Louisville or something, but sure. Um, I wasn't that good, Yeah. but, um, fortunately I got into to coaching and you know, that's, that's been a long ride so far. Yeah. How did you get into that, the the coaching world? Well, there are two um, 
Coach Powell kind of encouraged me. He was at Houghton at the time, and he had kind of, uh, there was an opening there, and I applied and uh, unfortunately didn't get it. Um, but that kind of kind of lit the fire a little bit, and the following year I, I got a job in Dollar Bay. Mm-hmm. So I was there for for a few years with Coach Bronzik. Okay. Uh, and you went, again, thinking about outside of that, we talked about the massage world. When did you get into that? I'd always been interested in massage, okay. um, but just with, uh, I, I had worked at the bank for several years, then I got the Finlandia job and there just wasn't time to, to do the training. Mm-hmm. And then when the Finlandia job ended, um, I had time. Sure. So I went to massage school and, um, I, I enjoy that as well. Yeah. So that was at a later age that you went into the yeah, I was, massage school. <clears throat> I was probably... 44 45 okay was that scary was that exciting was that easy to uh, to transition into something different um <clears throat> it i guess the the scary part was um just the when they they showed me the 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 syllabus it was like man this is a lot to know yeah and i, I was kind of overwhelmed at that point um because I wasn't a great student in, in high school just because I wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, when I went to massage school, it was extremely interesting and I, I did great yeah. and it was, it was a lot of fun and I, it was a great decision. Yeah. No. Cause uh, the uh, head game that I go through <laughs> is that, uh, <clears throat> that there's an age where you can't transition. You can't go into something new. You can't go back to school. You can't chase this new thing. Uh, I know that's not true, but I'm saying that like in my head, I, I go to that. I'm, I know that that's not the case at any point you can pivot. And I, I because of that, I feel like I want to celebrate the person who's willing to and excited to pivot and, and has actually gone through that. Uh, because otherwise, I think there's a lot of people and I could see myself doing the same thing where you get in your lane and you think that, no, I've passed the time. I can't, I can't switch. I'm really excited about this other thing, but I'm not able to go to that due to my age or, uh, you know, I'm not 22, so I can't be in school or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, have I, you, have you felt that or is that? Well, um, maybe a little bit initially, okay. but I've, I've since discovered that if, if you really are into it, it's going to be easy. Yeah. Um, if it's something that your heart's not really in, you probably going to struggle. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't even know what that comes from. I don't know that it's uh, necessarily like an easy versus a struggle thing, but more of like, uh, what am I supposed to do thing for like, I don't even know society or something like that, or what do other people think of you? Maybe, I don't know. That's maybe a thing of it. Yeah. Um, in regard to massage, there's, there's a little bit of a, uh, an awkward or a negative connotation, you know, for for that industry. Sure. Um, and even a little bit more so with, with men. Um, it's just like, yeah, you know, that's kind of, kind of creepy or whatever, but, right. um, I have always had the approach that, you know, I'm there to help people mm-hmm. and I like what I'm doing. And I guess over time I've, I've gotten better at it. So, yeah. Um, so some of those negative or, you know, what society might think those things kind of just don't matter and they just drift away. Yeah, for sure. No, if you're passionate about it, right? Like yeah. you said, it's can't let it get to you. The, so we'll jump around and we can do that. But since we're, we are talking about that, I'm curious, 
it feels like there's a growing uh, area of interest or growing knowledge on stress. Maybe it's been around forever, but either way, it feels like it's been more and more apparent to me. Like you talk about the, the, the saying stress kills, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, or even again, that you talk about the person who's perfectly healthy, ate perfectly well, exercised perfectly well, but they were full of stress and they heart attack at 59, right. Or whatever. Uh, even thinking like, again, I'm going through some, I've talked about a few times on here, going through some health stuff that can be partially related to stress. So it's just a, a, a world I'm interested in. And, how much of your world is around stress or like, can you talk on that? Like massage that stress, that link. Uh, yeah. What is that? Stress is, is unbelievable. It takes an unbelievable toll on the body. Okay. Um, and we don't even, we don't even realize it just like blood pressure. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, they call it the silent killer, but you know, it's just stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and people deal with it differently. You know, some people kind of can see it coming and they, they, you know, try to get ahead of it and other people, they, they don't even know what's happening. Right. You know, they, we don't know what we don't know. So, yeah. And I guess that's what I'm curious is it seems like from the outside looking in if, if you want to live the most stress-free life, you should get a massage every month or something like that. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, And it's got people that get them every week. Yeah, it's, excuse me, it's hard to, uh, it's all what you put your time and value into, right? Right. But I'm just saying like from a, a, from a tight family budget potentially, right? It's hard to think, hey, I'm going to, you could see a mom or a dad saying, hey, it's selfish of me to go do this, right? Uh, to get a massage every week or whatever else when that should be going towards my kid's education or whatever it might be, right? Um, Either way, it feels like there's a budget component to it where it feels like it's, that would be difficult potentially to do that all the time but even if you did it once a month or whatever else but money aside it feels like it's a no-brainer absolutely yeah, yeah. uh have you seen people that have started like uh, again a, a monthly or a weekly massage and seen them go from full of stress to way more relaxed through that process um i guess i can feel it sometimes on on the weekly, weekly okay. people um but it's more their their feedback to me you oh know, sure. They, they just say, "Oh, I," you know. They they express it verbally, and that feedback is awesome. Yeah, you know, because um, I I've developed a fairly decent sense of touch. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can feel things, um, but that's not always the indication that you're getting it right. Yeah. You know, so. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Uh, and... and 
is this whole world or like how engaged and we don't need to get too personal but how engaged are you in like health wellness diet stress um i mean that you could go on there's so many rabbit holes to go down is this a part of your world like all these different things are you thinking about this are you reading into this are you engaged in, in that side of things uh somewhat okay um the our diet is is crucial uh-huh. um because of health reasons i've i've tried to give up sugar yeah and that's made a huge difference you know processed sugar is just it's bluntly it's bad for us right um we can't avoid some some of it but Mm -hmm. um for the most part i've i've tried to give that up and i'm hopefully can continue to but yeah um it's not easy right no that's the interesting part for me again the like I got from the outside looking in you being in the massage world, it feels like it's one component of health. Uh, and it feels like if you're like the, the, the typical massage therapist or the typical, uh, chiropractor typically is from the outside looking in very health conscious. Like it's not just what they're into. It's also the other layers and components of health and wellness and stuff yeah. that they're already engaged in just because it's like they can't avoid it. The guy who's a retirement investor is probably going to retire fairly wealthy just because it's mm-hmm. like, how do you not be engaged in it or whatever. Right. right. Uh, but that to me is the, one of the interesting things looking in, I guess the stress side of things. And I, I've, I've, again, I've talked to a few times on here. I started going through some, I never officially diagnosed, but rheumatoid arthritis, like pain in some of my joints. Mm. Uh, and, and same deal, eliminated sugar, essentially also some food allergy testing stuff. And it's unbelievable. Like yeah. overnight change, right. like to, from, lots of pain to very little pain uh and to me now it's like a no-brainer yeah. you need to take this stuff seriously you know uh but what about for you that sh- eliminating the sugar side of things that you've seen a impact with that oh yeah i've i've lost a few pounds with it and my sinus allergies have uh, almost totally disappeared yeah so but you know just the total uh I don't want to say lifestyle, mm-hmm. but you know, more so than massage, I think, you know, exercise and diet are, are your best health benefits. Yeah. You know, that, that's going to take you the furthest. Mm-hmm. I mean, massage is, is basically kind of jumpstarting some of that and, and getting the body moving properly. Sure. But, um, if I could tell anyone to, uh, from, from a health standpoint, get out and exercise, you know, Right. Make sure you're conscious of what you eat. I'm, I'm not saying don't eat, you know, sugars or, or, you know, things that you enjoy, but just make sure that you're, you're monitoring it correctly. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. We talked about stress and I, I've learned through this process again, cause I've been eating super strict now for like four or five months is learned food was my stress response. And mm-hmm. I wonder how universal that is. Is it? I think it is. Okay. And, and I think we eat out of boredom. Yeah. You know, so if, if you get out and exercise, you're not bored and you're not eating garbage. Yeah. I mean, it, it just kind of snowballs. Right. But then I feel like there's this thing where like, uh, there's so many rabbit holes to go down. Like you learn about phone use, right? How late in the oh, day are yeah. you, are you using your phone? Are, are you seeing the sun first thing when you wake up in the morning? Are you, you know, different circadian rhythm things like biological components of it. And it's all good to know. And it's all like bite-sized chunks. I think take it off as you can go, but there's a point where you feel like there's just so much too much to even take in. I guess that goes back to just tackle what you can at that time and go from there. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, phones are awesome, but they're also, uh, a detriment to, 
productivity oftentimes. Yeah. And how they affect sleep and yeah. all that Blue stuff. Light right? and, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so we can, we can dive back into that, but I was curious for you in that world again, just because stress, like how do you even define it? And I think my, maybe I am stressed and maybe that's part of it, but I don't feel stressed, but maybe if you have chronic stress, you don't even, you're right. unaware of it. You don't even know what it feels like to be unstressed. Maybe. I don't know. But say you go on your, your hunting trips. Do you feel stressed there? No, I, I absolutely. I feel more relaxed by yeah. the end of it for sure. Yeah. You know, and I think in part because you're out, you're exercising, <clears throat> you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're not in your kind of sedentary routine. Right. You know, I think exercise is the biggest key to stress. Yeah. Like that's the, the antidote. Yeah, for, for me it is. Yeah. It's gotta be universal. I would think so. Yeah. My wife uh, is a personal trainer. Oh. She, she focuses on uh, pre and postnatal, but she'll help others too, but pre and postnatal uh, ladies. Mm-hmm. And anyways, outside of that, but just that through her exposure too, you realize like how helpful stress is for anxiety, yeah. uh, for just yeah, mental health, for stress, the whole world, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be the universal ticket. feels like everyone you talk to, that's what it is. Everyone who's serious about that world, there's like undeniable yeah. major results from it i agree uh but let's dive back into basketball unless uh, anything there we, we can no we're we good can, we can hop around so high school and then you got into some coaching uh and i don't want to I, I don't want to gloss over the high school side of things like did you were what was basketball like back then again my only exposure is what i've seen in my lifetime was high school local basketball pretty competitive um i think i think it goes in cycles okay i mean you have um, there's always been one or two good teams around here at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always the same team. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, the game was different because there's, uh, there's less electronic distractions now. Okay. You know, getting back to the phones, I, I think, um, it's, it's so easily to be, you know, distracted by that. And, um, obviously less distractions, kids got to occupy their time with something right um it just seemed like it was easier to to get kids in the gym and kind of get them directed towards towards the game yeah what about from a fan standpoint did it feel like it was easier to pack a gym then too than it is now um again that goes in cycles okay if you've got a good good team people are going to come out and watch sure you know you're going to get your you know your your school to come out and watch but um, if you got a good team, you're going to get basketball fans, whether they're from your community or not. Right. Right. Huh. Okay. Uh, and then, so you got into coaching at dollar Bay first, and then what was that like compared to playing? Like, it feels like without, uh, let me just, yeah. What was that like compared to playing? Uh, it was a totally different world. Okay. I mean, I wish I had known half of what I I learned in the first couple of years as a player. Huh. I mean, and since then I obviously have evolved, but um, mm-hmm. you learn so much more by teaching and that's all coaching is, is, is teaching. Yeah. And, and what were some of those big lessons? Can you even remember what they were at this point? That's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, it just, some of the details that, that I thought I knew and I thought everybody knew, you know, and then, discovering that uh kids didn't know them yeah and then having to come up with a uh a clear way to describe it or or teach it 
Hmm. That that was fun, but also that was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. And, and can you give examples of those like uh, very fundamental type stuff or? Yeah. I mean, even the fundamental stuff. Okay. Um, obviously since then um, with my exposure and, you know, being able to work with, with coach Luke and uh, coach Clayton, um, a lot of that stuff has become easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you just stuff that you had to think about before. It's just second nature now. Right. But yeah, um, just teaching kids to go off the proper foot, Yeah. you know, when they're shooting a layup or, or shooting with balance, you know, how, how to, how to set your rhythm and just stuff like that is like, I never thought about it. And probably as a, as a player, I, I wasn't as good at it as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I wish I knew then what I know now, but. Right. Right. Uh, and what about just the overall dynamic of it though? Like you really enjoyed playing basketball and, and obviously you've been coaching for quite a few years. It must be true that you really enjoyed that as well. Oh yeah. Um, I played in the, the city leagues and, you know, um, just, uh, travel teams for, I don't know, till I was late thirties. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. I met a lot of, most of my friends have, have come through, uh, either sports or church. So sure. I, I've met a lot of good three people from, from basketball. Yeah. Uh, so you enjoyed playing and then the coaching side of things, it's gotta be, again, we talk about stress. I've, is there a element where coaching is more stressful than playing because you're not actively engaged in the game? Like it feels like I remember when I played, it was quickly, as soon as you start playing, boom, any nerves are gone. You're playing, you're in the whatever. It's just playing the game. Whereas I feel like watching again, I've said this before, watch my brother in those first years or my younger brothers play afterwards. It was way more stressful than I used to play. Absolutely. Uh, Is that true for coaching too? Um, Once the game starts, you, you kind of shift gears a little bit. Okay. The, the absolute worst part of, of game day is warmups. Yeah. It's just like, okay, let's, let's get this over with and get going. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably true for players too. They want to, you know, once the ball gets tossed up, you know, most of the nerves are, are gone and yeah, they get after it. Yeah. Sitting in the stands and watching was again, like I said, way more stressful than playing. Uh, but it feels like coaching, you'd be a, a way closer to the plane than sitting in the stands and watching because you're calling the plays, you're doing this, you yeah. can actively be engaged, you're having an effect and an influence to try to help your team or whatever else. Is that? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when you've got a horse in the game and you're watching it, right. it's, it's a lot of stress. Yeah. You know, um, coaching it, you have to surrender some of it to the fact that you know, these are, are young kids trying to make plays. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're going to make them. Sometimes they're not. Yeah. And I can live with that. Um, but it, it's, it's a lot less stressful coaching than it is probably for the parents. Yeah. Right. What about, uh, have you had teams or players that, uh, like shock you in a way? Like it seems like, and again, I, I can sit on this side and at Liberty say this, but like, it seems like you'd come into a season and you think, boy, like, you know, compared to last year, we're not as good as we were, or I don't expect as much or whatever. And not that you put that on them. You still want them to do the best, but it's even a player, right? But it, it seems like you would have a, a, occasionally that that team or that player 
would really surprise you or have amazing growth throughout the year and then it turns out they're way further ahead again that player or that team than you initially would have anticipated is that the case or uh, it it, it kind of depends um, okay. you know I, I had watched Calumet you know, speaking of Calumet now yeah um, I'd watched them play for several years and you know they've had a ton of success and you know I saw the potential in a lot of these kids so my expectations coming in were extremely high mm-hmm. and I it, it was a little bit difficult for them to to buy into me yeah and I wasn't expecting that I was just thinking well you know um, they're they're good players and I'm gonna do this and here we go right and it it doesn't always work that way yeah um, but that being said you know there's always always kids that surprise you mm-hmm. you know and in, in good ways right and you know you you wish it were were everyone and you can't even it, it's hard to even anticipate who's who's going to step up and 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 surprise you but right. you know it happens every year yeah. just like for most teams most teams lose a game they probably shouldn't yeah and probably win a game or two they probably shouldn't mm-hmm you know, and it's the same with, with players, you know, some kids surprise you that you think won't and maybe other kids maybe don't step up the way you had hoped. So, yeah. And, and is there uh in, in the world of basketball, there's gotta be many like philosophies of coaching, right. Or, or ways of sure. looking at things. And is it, is it more, I guess I'm curious for you, you must it must be impossible or it must be the case that you watch another coach do things a certain way and you think, boy, I would do that differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I would do it this way. And, and, and it just goes back to like, I think again, I'm, I'm in sales. I'm in real estate. I've got certain ways of doing things and I think they're the best way, right? Obviously not necessarily. They fit me who I am potentially. Right. And I see somebody do something and I'm like, Hey, I wouldn't do it that way. I would do it this way. I don't necessarily tell them, right. It just depends, right. but it just feels like you, like you have philosophies or standards or ways of looking at things or ways of handling things or how do you structure your team or, or, we're going to have one all-star we're going to have work as a team and play with five people or whatever right uh is that the case for you do you uh, seems like it must be but anyways yeah i I think every coach is different yeah um i've had the opportunity to work with some really really outstanding coaches Hmm. and i didn't always agree with them yeah and there's there's no right or wrong answer there's just difference of opinion yeah um but you know my my ultimate objective as a coach is you know, we want to put kids in a position to succeed. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes parents don't agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be the first to admit I've made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And would I do diff- different things differently myself? Absolutely. Sure. You know, I've made made some bad calls. Yeah. I've, I'd like to get some of them back and, you know, maybe we could have a different outcome. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a risk you take when you choose to compete. You know, yeah. I, I tell that to kids. I said, um, you know, I, I'm proud that you're here because you're risking disappointment. You know, whether you, you're disappointed, you don't play, whether you're disappointed that we don't win certain games, you know, there, there's a risk that you take when you choose to compete. So mm-hmm. I, I admire competitors. Right. Have you heard the, uh, or read the man in the arena that, 
poem or is it a, a uh, speech no, or whatever I else? I, I should remember so. who, who it's even by, but essentially the concept is, uh, the only person with credibility is the person who's actually competing. Yeah. Right. Uh, and again, you could put it in this context to say the parent who is frustrated at the coach, it's like, you don't know what we're looking at. You don't know why we're looking at it. Right. You don't know the other, what other dynamics I have at play. Uh, like until you're in my shoes, we really can't well, yeah. really, realistically have this conversation even. Right. Yeah. And uh, it was, it, it's always that way. Right. Um, with games I watch and I, I look at, you know, we, we talked about, um, not agreeing with or, or doing things differently than the other coach. Uh -huh. It's like, well, yeah, but I don't, I don't know what led him to this decision. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, so yeah, it, it's, you gotta be careful when you're being, you know, overly critical of a coach or, or player, you know, I mean, players are going through just boatloads of stuff I and mean, mm. we don't know what's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean aside from basketball, but I mean, kids, not every kid is going to share their, their, their story with you all the time. Right. And, um, it's, it's not fair for us to, you know, expect their, their full attention all the time. And, you know, mm -hmm. life is happening. Yeah. For sure. No, that's, that's the context that I'm thinking about this, the man in the arena. Again, it's, it's by Theodore Roosevelt and it's too long for me to read it right now necessarily, but it's worth checking out. Okay. Um, <clears throat> again, it goes back to basically it's the person who's in the arena fighting, taking all that risk that yeah. again, the, the person that's in the stands, it's, it's appreciated obviously that they're mm -hmm. there and supportive, whatever else, but you, you just don't know until you're in it. Right. Right. Uh, so that's the context for me is like, it feels like that's an ever growing thing. And you, you hear all kind of coaches talk about it is that dynamic of parent and coach, uh, relationships or whatever else, where a parent wants to really be involved and influence and whatever else. Uh, and that comes down to communication. Sure. You know, you have to, I mean, these are their kids mm -hmm. and, um, their, their number one interest is, is their kid. Yeah. And if you can talk to them and kind of you know, lay some groundwork. I mean, I don't mind when parents talk to me. Right. I mean, I, I don't take offense to that. Mm -hmm. Um, but there, there are boundaries, right. You know? Um, I'm not gonna, my boundaries are, I'm not going to do anything that's going to put your kid in, in physical or emotional danger. Mm -hmm. Um, and their boundaries are, they gotta let me make decisions. Right. Right. No, I get it. I've got three little ones at home in any situation you are, watching them you want them to do well uh and you absolutely see the draw to like be fully engaged in their every part of their life if you can i mean it's the term helicopter parenting in mm -hmm. a sense right uh but you have to let them fail too. you have to let them fail yeah that's what i've learned is like just let them go and the most learning that they go through is when you're not even watching them right mm -hmm. uh they're out back in the woods climbing trees getting hurt bruised whatever else like that's where they're learning not when i'm sitting here watching right. them saying hey don't do that you yeah. know what i mean it's uh, but for sure. So you understand the draw to be that parent who oh, is sure. I mean, kids, kids or parents want their kids to be better than they are. Right. You know, and their, their heart is in the right place. They're, they're trying to help the kids avoid a mistake, mm -hmm. but you know, realistically they need to make mistakes. Yeah. Is that, uh, that seems like that's a hot button issue, but is that like talking to other coaches, other stuff like that? Is that like, issue number one and the thing that pushes people away from it or causes them not to get into it. 
not to like bring a negative side to it, but I'm just, I, I think that too goes in cycles. Okay. I think there's communities that, um, I've got, um, I know of a coach that, you know, he's got just unbelievable support from his, from his parents and community. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, I know of another coach that, you know, he can't make any decision without, you know, getting permission. Yeah. And I think, yeah, again, it's, it's a cycle. I mean, both, both programs are going to flip flop at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, just, you do your best to stay true to yourself and, and try to maintain a, a certain course. And, mm-hmm. and does it go back to, like you said, the boundary side of things? Is it like a slippery slope as once you don't set those boundaries early? Now you're always trying to reel back. Oh yeah. yeah. As a coach within that program. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's an interesting idea about, you know, it's not about what you teach. It's what you tolerate. Okay. You know, if you, if you're teaching the right things, but you tolerate a lot of, you know, garbage or, or horseplay, or, you know, you, you let everyone else express their opinion and, you know, you go any way the wind blows, mm-hmm. it's going to be a, you know, I don't care what you're teaching. You're going to have a tough time. Yeah. Um, but if you can, um, set the boundaries of, of what's tolerated, people will, they'll, they'll step up to that and they'll, they'll kind of understand. Yeah. No, I guess part of the reason I'm asking again is just feels like it's a worthwhile conversation. And the fact that a parent who is on the flip side, try to understand what it's like to be a coach and what it's like to have all these 15 different dynamics at play at once. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone wants their kid to do well or whatever. Right. But it's all a, a, a work in progress or a bunch of moving parts. Right. Absolutely. Um, but so you said that you have coaches that do, th- or you've worked with coaches that have done things differently than you, but did you, have you, have you gone through an experience where they did things differently than you would have? And then that turned out to be something that you really learned from Oh and, yeah, and pulled from. Yep. Absolutely. Can you give examples of that? Anything that comes to mind? Um, well, the, the best coaches that I've, I've worked with, um, uh, Mike Williams, you know, he was at Hancock and then Finlandia. Then, you know, he's just got his 200th win at Grand Valley. Wow. And obviously Kevin Luke. Um, we've, we haven't always seen eye to eye, but, you know, they're the boss. And then looking back is like, that's why they're the boss. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, just in, in handling kids, I, I've learned so much from, from Luke or with about handling kids. Mm-hmm. Um, granted it's, it's a different, different level, but, um, I, I'm taking lessons that, that he's, he's taught there and I'm, I'm trying to apply them in, in my current situation. Yeah. And it's, it, it's probably hard to even think of specific examples, but can you like with Kevin Luke again, he, uh, specific examples of things he, like ways he'd handle kids, uh, that would have been a little bit surprising to you at first, but then it ended up working out or with coach Williams, like you said. Um, I, I can't think of, I guess, specific examples, but, um, maybe just, um, you know, barking at a kid. Yeah. It's like, wow, that was, that was, that was pretty heated. And, you know, the kid responds. Yeah. And it's like, 
and and credit to the kid too mm-hmm. um they didn't they didn't uh run from the heat they they took it and became better for it yeah yeah huh no it's interesting again that side of things i guess i have the interest in i, I enjoy basketball right uh would consider coaching someday but then i've got the three little ones at home and and to me it's it's all the same i mean you talk about boundaries whatever else my wife has boundaries with the kids books sitting on my table uh it's all it's all the same it's just different context right right? uh so that side of it to me is interesting because it's again take that basketball coaching role and and apply it to parenting applying it to uh, leadership in a in a in a company or whatever right uh it feels like it's all any any lesson you learn there can be universal in the other other side of things too yeah and i i think that's true of of sports yeah i mean sports teach you more about life than you know than any education you could get yeah yeah it's hard to argue with that hey the uh do you think most people feel that way or or most people that go through sports do they eventually realize that because i don't think i realized that when i was playing sports but it took getting out of it to Mm -hmm. then realize it looking back but um again i remember the some of my friends who would not play sports because it was like a negative thing i don't even know how to describe it necessarily but you you always wished you could like no this is unbelievable you know uh and then looking back it's like man imagine what you could have gotten out of that yeah they're they're still totally fine right but the the the, the different things it teaches you about again winning losing leadership struggle overcoming uh relationships all of it it's it seems like it's undeniably important I mean, just the idea of working hard when you don't have to. Yeah. You know, um, if we could instill that into people that, you know, just go and work hard, Mm -hmm. whatever you're doing, you know, work hard. Yeah. Do you have a, uh, another thing that intrigues me is I'm curious about, is it from sports? Is it genetic or what is it from? But you feel like certain people have this thing where like no hill is too big. No, no run is too far. No, anything like if somebody says, Hey, we're going to go do this. You're like, okay, sure. I can go run 15 miles or whatever. Not saying like on a physical, not like it's going to be the best time ever, but it feels like there's this thing where certain people have this gear where if they want to do it, nothing's going to stop them. Have you seen that? And do you see that within yourself trying to remove humility from that? And and I guess I'm curious, where does that come from? Yeah. I, I think some people just have a different mental approach. Okay. Um, I'd like to say I have that, but I don't know that I do. Yeah. I mean, in, in certain times, but not on a day-to-day basis. I mean, there, there are some people that are just animals. Yeah. Um, and those are very rare. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and there's always the extremes, right? But right. I'm, I'm thinking more less outside the extremes, more like your average Joe. But I don't know. There's this thing where it's like, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. But it feels like you, although same deal, I feel like some days I have it and some days I don't, right? Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I guess I'm just curious where that comes from, but I feel like it sounds like it comes from sports of like, again, working hard at something, even though you don't have to, nobody's telling you to be there. Yeah. But then also realizing like, man, I pushed myself way harder than I thought I could have through oh, yeah. these two-a-day football practices or right. whatever. Uh, like, no there's nothing I can't do or whatever, you know, it feels like it can grow a lot of internal confidence on that side too. There's, uh, um, I like listening or reading, um, about Navy SEALs. Yeah. 
and they put out a, a statement and I'm, I'm thinking it's true, hmm. but they said that, you know, when people push themselves and they feel like they're done, they're gassed, they got nothing left. They've, they've only about hit about 40% of what they're capable of. Yeah. You know? Right. And I, I just find that fascinating, you know, because so many times myself personally, I think I'm tired. This is glad this day's over. Yeah. And to think that I still got 60% that I could give yet. Right. It's like, right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, I, that's, that's probably true of all of us. Yeah. yeah. Have you, uh, have you heard of, uh, or a couple different tangents what's your relationship to like marathon running like some of these extreme things have you have you gotten into that ever before would you ever is there an interest level when i was when i was uh much younger um i would i would go out and run and you know just just for basketball purposes Uh just so i'd be in better shape better prepared but never would i wanted run a marathon yeah and I've said never, maybe I will, I don't know, but there, I talked about it with a few people on here. There's, a, I can't even remember where I heard it, but there's this guy who, he might've been a SEAL or something like that, but either way, in his corporate life now, once a year, I believe, him and like his top CEOs or whatever else, they go do something that is extremely difficult, uh, They just something random, uh, and they also do something that there's they truly believe in there's a heart, there's a 50-50 chance they'll actually finish it. Uh, and wow. it's more of a mental thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and I they like go that. out and do it, and more often than not, they do finish it, and they come out the other side oh. uh, refreshed, renewed, way more confident, whatever. But, yeah. for example, one of the things I think, again, I've talked about it on here, is the guy, I think it was like they had to uh, drag a rock down a canal for a half a mile or something like that. I, again, I'm probably skewing the numbers or whatever it is. Maybe it's a quarter mile, maybe 400 yards, whatever. But either way, they, I think it was like they had to swim down, lift up the rock, swim it away it's pretty heavy rock or like drag it away on the bottom go up get a fresh of air go back down grab the rock drag it on the bottom for again it was some obscene distance uh and at the end of it again it feels like you reach this mental thing and you probably had to push way past that 40 percent yeah uh does that intrigue you at all like doing a yearly i i like hearing about it i don't know if i like (laughs) the idea of doing it (laughs) yeah but again, I think it's different for everybody because for the right. elite athlete, it's going to be an ultra marathon, but for somebody that's not the elite athlete, maybe it's, I don't know, whatever. I mean, you define it, right? But something that you truly 100% believe if somebody asks you, Hey, are you going to finish that? You're like, uh, I, I, maybe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exciting to me. Maybe I'll consider that going forward. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think, I think in the right circumstance, um, our, our toughness shows, yeah. shows up, um, that excites me, but also kind of makes me a little bit apprehensive. Like, yeah, I don't know if I want to willfully put myself in that position. Right. Right. But then on the other side is like, I, I kind of like the idea of, you know, a challenge that is uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm curious for you, if you had that, say we thought we brainstormed here for, for 10 minutes and we established the thing, here's what we're going to do July 15th or what, I mean, we don't have to necessarily do it, but this year you're going to do this. Does that, where does that put you mentally? Like, uh, for me, it gives me now, I'm like, holy crap, I got to work yeah. hard. I got to do this. I got to train or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that true for you too? Yeah. And, and it feels like there's like, 
that's a benefit in it too. On top of the actual event itself, now I'm thinking about it for seven months straight. And again, back to the diet and the exercise, now I've got something to work for potentially. Um, yeah, well, I think I think just the mental stimulation there yeah. brings life. Right. You know, otherwise right. you're just kind of just going through the motions and, you know, it's not that things aren't important, but mm. they're not necessarily a challenge either. Right. But when you got a challenge ahead of you, I mean, that that changes the game right there. Yeah. It feels like it can take you out of just a routine. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of times it can be just routine for your whole life. You know, nothing ever gets you out of it. Uh, trips and stuff can, but something like that feels like it can shake things up. I don't know. I'd be curious. We kind of did something this last year. A few of my friends and I, we did this challenge, which we don't need to get into, but it's... Uh, you can it, if you want. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I just thinking about the fact that I, I like to think about doing that for uh, it's, it's semantics and it's games, but like doing it for the sake of doing it and not ever talking about it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that makes That's sense, fair. but sure. E- either way. Uh, but it, it was absolutely mentally engaging, uh, something to work for, something to think about and, and, and completed it way more th- or way. <laughs> A, I completed it. I absolutely didn't know if I would, right? But then, yeah, there's a different mental thing that comes from it. And then it kind of ignites you like, what's next? What can we do next? Right. You know? uh, I think it's a cool thing to think about. Again, I've only done it once. And will I do it again this year? I don't know. But uh, you'll find something. It seems like I will. Yeah. I just don't know what that is necessarily. But yeah, that's exciting for you. But you said it brings up apprehension. And is that apprehension something that you should fight through? Not that I'm like trying to put you on the spot no, and say you have I, to do this, but I, I think, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, I talk about challenging kids and I challenge them all the time. Mm-hmm. Why not me? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm old, but I'm not dead yet. So I might as well yeah. live while you can. Right. Do you have any gut reactions on what that would be? The, like, uh, again, we could talk about it later too or whatever else, but what that, uh, 50, 50 chance of you finishing th- type thing would be. Well, you mentioned marathon. I, there's, I have zero interest in running a marathon. Yeah. Um, but also if you told me that if, if the prize was big enough, you know, and, and I, I'm not meaning, meaning finances or anything, but right. if the prize was right, I could do it. Yeah. And what would that prize, you're talking like a, a mental, yeah. mental prize. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, um, if the prize being something for someone else. Oh, sure. I I could do it. Okay. I mean, if it was just for me, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That, that's not something that I would choose to do. Right. I wonder if it's a, a, again, it depends on the framework, right? Choose to do it for the sake of you saying, Hey, I ran a marathon or because you enjoy running. That's not the case, right? That that won't happen. Uh, whereas the only context, I think I'm the same way is like, what am I made of? You know? Yeah. And and again, that mental side of it, like, I don't think I can even do this. Can I, where does that go? All that kind of stuff is intriguing. Yeah. We'll see. It's always an ever growing thing, life, right? Like where does it go? Where does it take you? And what's important at that time in 10 years, will I be talking about this? I don't know, but it seems like it could be a super applicable thing for forever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, it's, you know, just, uh, uh, maybe a poor example is, um, 
we were camping up in Copper Harbor and they had some bikes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, nephew and I, we decided we were going to bike up Brockway. Yeah. And we'd bike and walk and bike and walk, but it, it was just the mental, you know, mental stimulation. I was like, okay, we're going up. Yeah. You know? And so I, I could see that if I applied that, that type of approach to whatever, I, I think I could accomplish more than, than I do, but it, it's gotta be for the right reason. Yeah. You know, right. A large part of it was cause he wanted to do it. Right. You know, not because I wanted to say, Oh yeah, you know, we went up Brockway. It's like, well, big deal. Yeah. But yeah, it is interesting how uh, a family member, a nephew, a son or something like that can, oh, or yeah. a daughter can, can change the motivation. Yeah. I could see that. Like if I had a kid that wanted to run marathons, by all means, I'm yeah. running marathons, mm -hmm. you know, see, it, the prize has to be right. Yeah. Yeah. And in my current state, the, the, to say I've done it or to enjoy running is not the case for me. No. Right. So it's straight up. Again, the only way I would run a marathon or uh, anything like that, or even more extreme is again, the mental side right now, but then more realistically, it's a family member or something right. that's into it. Yeah. But again, I keep thinking about that, that once a year scare yourself. What does that get you? Where does that take you? Yeah. Type thing. That's good though. Yeah. Well, something to consider anyway. Yeah. Cause how many people don't even, that doesn't even cross their, their mind. Yeah. I feel like it can keep your brain. I talked about, uh, it's interesting. I, early on, I was talking about the fear of like changing and adapting and, and pivoting and the fear of what people think of you and whatever. I wonder if doing something like that would like mold your brain into being more open to changing and adapting. Like somehow that state that it puts you in. Cause I, again, I'm re like re-celebrating that the mm -hmm. willingness, the ability to get out of the job that you're not into or, uh, you know, again, change careers or whatever. Cause I just think so many people, I, I don't know if this is true. It just feels like so many people are in positions and in roles. They're not happy with, they're not satisfied with, they wish they could change, but fear holds them back. Uh, oh, I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, and would this kind of a thing keep you consistently willing and able to change and also like almost in a way like if i can do that i can do anything let's go do this massage school or whatever uh yeah i don't know. Yeah. seems like it's worth it yeah that makes sense yeah i don't know uh for i'm, I'm trying to think of other areas we haven't covered again the coaching side of things and it, the the massage and the stress is something i, I was interested in as well uh do you have thoughts like looking forward again we just talked about a few things here but like do you feel like basketball will be part of your life forever is that what you're picturing or envisioning or what are your thoughts on uh, uh looking down the road type um it's it's hard to say because you know back when i started yeah i didn't think i'd be i'd last this long yeah um so it, it's hard to say um How long? I don't know. Um, maybe to to coach through the grandkids' mm -hmm. careers, or I don't know if that would be good or bad. But right, right. Um, it, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um. So I've got one last follow up question. Unless you've got any other 
questions at all or things that we brought up that we should have explored more or anything else that you can think of? Uh, what do you got? I'm curious for you. Would you recommend it? Like you've coached for many years. Somebody else is thinking about getting into it or somebody else has just started it. Would you a recommend it or tell them to stick with it? Or, and again, it's all subjective, but anyways, can you talk on that? I'm curious. Just would you recommend being a coach and living the coaching lifestyle? Um, yeah, uh, it's, I mean, there's, there's always, um, there's always going to be drawbacks. I mean, there's, you sacrifice a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have the ability to make impact too. Yeah. And if that's, you know, if you weigh that out, if, if you can justify that, then absolutely. Okay. Um, and it, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to coach at, at, you know, the high school or college level. I mean, there's, there's lots of areas where you can, you know, make an impact, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I love seeing parents, um, helping out with, uh, like elementary and, and middle school. And, um, you know, it just gives you something to do with your kids, but it, it's also, um, it's, it's helping a lot more than just your kid. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it seems like it's this thing where the world or like the world of high school, middle school, all these sports are struggling. I don't know if this is true. Struggling to find coaches, struggling to find refs. And again, we talked about some of the things with like parenting and technology and stuff like that, that maybe is a a component to that, but it seems like outside of all that, the essence of it is still pure and if that fits you and what you're into, then absolutely pursue it. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. um, I would say, you know, get involved, but be involved for the right reason. Okay. I mean, there's, I think there's, there's some people that get involved just so they can kind of manipulate their, their kids programs. Sure. Right. Um, But if, if you have something to offer, you know, if you can, I mean, I've learned so much more from teaching than I did playing. Um, if you got something you can teach kids that are going to make them, you know, better players, better people, mm-hmm. absolutely be involved. Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing it through the heart of a teacher, not the ego. Right. Right. You know, you, you gotta, gotta put your, your parent hat to the side and, you know, if you can approach it that way, I think you, everyone can help everyone could be an asset to, to some program. Yeah. I mean, even if it's just your own kid, right. If you're not getting out there and and coaching a team or, I mean, if you're, if you're directing your kid the right way, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're helping the program, you're helping your kid. Right. Right. But yeah, that's what I was curious. Again, yeah, I just, if you'd recommend it. And of course it's subjective. It depends on the person, whatever else, but overall it's something you would. Yeah. I mean, every situation is different, you know, and if, if you're a good fit, you know, and if it's not going to cause you too much stress, right. Right. You know, I, I'd absolutely recommend that. Yeah. Well, no, Charlie, I appreciate it. It's fun to hear about fun to get into some of the different stuff and we kind of went a few different directions, but I enjoyed just, yeah. Hearing some of the background. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate this. Hey guys, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, 
subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.